When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. minutes into the third period, Calgary and Pittsburgh tied 2-2. Also in the third, Canucks and Flyers even at one. Blue Jackets lead the Senators 1-0. Minnesota and the New York Rangers tied 1-1. Tampa Bay leads Buffalo 3-2. In the second period, Nashville up 2-zip on the Blues. Late in the first, Dallas up 2-0 on the Golden Knights. Man, the Stars are just on fire. Islanders and Ducks start in an hour. Sharks and Kings start in an hour and a half. The Raptors lead Philadelphia 63-62 halfway through the third quarter. Baltimore leads the L.A. Rams 14-3 five minutes into the second quarter Monday night football. The Oilers are back at it on Wednesday. They will take on the Colorado Avalanche. It's on 6.30, Ched. 6 o'clock for the face-off show. The game will start at 8. Uh, a lot of good Oilers discussion in the first hour of the show. We had some clips from Ken Holland to get the entire interview with uh, Bob Stoffer. Pretty extensive conversation. It's about 17 minutes in length. It is on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com as uh, well as all the highlights, a lot of other interviews and all the overtime open line shows from this season all on our website. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The Grey Cup yesterday and Kellen, I'm glad Cowtown Bob texted in. One of our uh, listeners on the text line Mm -hmm. Got to hand it to him. He, his score prediction on Friday, and I'm glad he reminded me of this, was Winnipeg 31, Hamilton 13. He Extremely close. That's very mm-hmm. impressive. We may have to dig it. We, we should send him one of our canned hams. We haven't given away a canned ham in a while. Those things just keep aging. Again, David Letterman used to give out canned hams in the 80s. Letterman eventually retires, and, and there were still some canned hams left over, so Kellen and I got special access to his warehouse, brought the canned hams back to Edmonton, and now they're sitting in our 630 Shed warehouse downstairs. Ancient. We just got we just got hams. canned hams lying around. So we may have to get Cowtown Bob a canned ham. Ancient hams. Or a life-sized autograph poster of, of me. I guess he can pick. He can tell me on the text. Why line. not both? Does he want the... No, we can't give out both. He didn't nail the score. If he oh, got the exact okay, yeah, right. score, maybe, the exact score. he was just close to the score. 31-13. <laughs> all right, we have Eddie Steele on the line. He knows all about winning Grey Cups. He did so for the Edmonton Eskimos, uh, and I'm sure he was watching the game yesterday. Eddie, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Reed? I'm uh, I'm I'm doing I'm doing excellent. Uh, maybe we'll have a canned ham for you as uh, as well. What was your pregame meal or day before meal when you were a player? Probably healthier than a canned ham. Uh, you know what? That's pretty funny actually because uh, yeah, the Grey Cup it was in Winnipeg that year, 
And uh, obviously me being uh, a native Winnipegger, I had a, a plan all lined up for a big meal with my fiance, and we were going to go out for a nice big steak. But all the restaurants downtown were already booked up, and we kind of got out a little bit later. And uh, we were just talking about this the other day, actually. So we tried to go to Earl's. We tried to go to the keg couple other local restaurants and all of them turned me away because they had no room so we ended up going to the Quiznos out by the airport in a big box store area and I sat down and I, I had Quiznos the day before we won the Grey Cup so it was pretty funny actually. So that was probably not your preference then nothing against Quiznos but you probably were something hoping it sounded like you were hoping for something a little more substantial perhaps. Yeah it, it was crazy because we honestly knocked on 10 different doors and each restaurant turned us away. They had no room, and I couldn't believe it. I was totally shocked. It ended up, it was about 9.30, uh, settling on the Quiznos, because at that point, I just needed to get a meal in me, and I wanted to get back to the hotel and get my mind right for the game the next day. Well, you survived. You know what, Eddie? Um, I, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm taking shots at, at some athletes I've interviewed, but I, I know some players, ex-players I've talked to over the years that that probably really would have thrown them off, that, that their routine was, was was thrown off. Like, that could have rattled them for a game of that magnitude. Well, and that's the reality. I mean, most athletes are such creatures of habit, and the fact that I couldn't even sit down and get a proper hot meal, and, you know, once I hit the sixth or seventh restaurant, I, I just thought, this is crazy. Like, I've never come across anything like this. And uh, you know what? It didn't really mess me up too much, but it was definitely weird. I've never had an experience like that, let alone the night before one of the biggest games of my life. Uh, that's amazing. The, the 2015 Grey Cup, and that was interesting about that one. I obviously want to talk to you about yesterday's game too, but uh, you know, you guys fell behind. The Eskimos were favored. I think it was 13 nothing halfway through the first quarter. Was there yeah. ever... Was there ever any doubt that was a confident team with a confident coach that only lost four games all year? Did you ever have an uh-oh moment early in that game? Well, yeah, I remember Henry Burris. He came out swinging the rock, and we were down 13 nothing quick on their first two drives. They got points. I looked at Mondo on the sideline, uh, Mondo Sewell. We looked at each other, and we were like, oh, boy, what's, what's going on here? But we, uh, we were pretty calm still. We didn't get too frantic. We understood what we had on offense. And whenever you have a Mike Riley-led team, uh, there's no reason to panic. And uh, we just kept doing what we do and playing really good defense as we had all year that year. And lo and behold, it's a long 60-minute game, and we came out on the right side of it that night. Well, maybe some parallels to yesterday's game, at least in terms of the start of the game. One team fell behind. Turnovers played a factor in that. I remember you guys had a fumble early in 2015 that wound up costing you. Winnipeg got an early lead on Hamilton, and I'm sure the Tiger Cats were trying to tell themselves it's a 60-minute game. They never really got back in it, Eddie. Uh, And that was, you know, I, I picked Winnipeg to win ultimately at the end of the week. I didn't see them controlling the game to that extent. How how do you assess what went down and why? Yeah, I don't think anybody really uh, could have foreseen them controlling the game they did, the way they did. And ultimately, the game is won and lost in the trenches. Now, I was a defensive tackle, so call me biased, but that's kind of the reality of football is the line play usually oftentimes wins the game for you. 
And the fact is, Winnipeg's offensive line and defensive line dominated the game. It was pretty clear to see. Uh, I was watching Winnipeg O-linemen running guys eight, nine yards downfield and then pancaking them. Their defensive line, they got after it. They had about six sacks, I think, a couple of sack fumbles. Uh, So it was pretty obvious that Winnipeg controlled the line of scrimmage. And uh, Hamilton... They had all the success in the year. Uh, and they had a, a wonderful season, regular season. But uh, Winnipeg, they went on a pretty pretty special playoff run here to finish off the year. I mean, to go into Calgary, to go into Saskatchewan, and then to dominate in the Great Cup, uh, arguably the best team in the league. Uh, they they had their mojo flowing, and you could tell the, just how special the team was, you know, just with the performance that they had. A, a listener named Carla texted into the show earlier, Eddie, and said, do you think if Banks had been healthy for the whole game, it would have made a difference? I, I don't think it would have. I, I mean, I know he had some catches, but it wasn't like against the Eskimos where his catches were dagger-like catches. That spectacular touchdown, big chunk of yardage inside the five. He he wasn't getting that against the Bombers. I, I don't think a healthy Banks would have, would have had much of an impact on the second half of that game. Yeah, and I would agree with you. I mean... Banks is not going to have an impact if he doesn't get the ball to him. And the reality is Dane Evans was under a lot of pressure. And even early on in the game, I was my wife even, she pointed out, she said, the quarterback, he's holding the ball for so long and he's double clutching. It didn't seem like he had a ton of rhythm where he would drop back, throw it on time. He was kind of standing back in the pocket, wasn't very comfortable back there. And it was pretty obvious if you really were paying attention to the quarterback play. There was a couple times where he pump faked it where normally you got to let the ball rip at that point in time, and uh, it ends up being a pressure or a sack. And uh, you know what? Dane Evans had a great season, not taking anything away from him, but it was a huge moment. Uh, the Grey Cup is probably the biggest game he's played in. Uh, earlier in the week he said he played in some bowl games, but uh, that doesn't compare to the professional championship. And uh, you know what? I think he was a little bit off of his game. Uh, he'll probably respond. He seems to be a pretty good pro based off everything that I hear from him, uh, you know, from that side of uh, the organization. But, yeah, he, he, he looked like he was kind of in his first big game, and you could tell. I mean, it doesn't help when your first pass attempt of the game is an interception. I'm sure it's tough to just shake that from your mind right away. So, yeah, he, but he was under pressure all night. So, yeah, kudos to the Winnipeg D-line because they really got after him. Eddie Steele joining us tonight on Inside Sports, former defensive lineman, former Edmonton Eskimo, won the Grey Cup with the Esks in that incredible 2015 season. Okay, so you played D-line. You're lining up against Winnipeg on a short yardage play. They have 10 linemen in the game and Strevler and Darvin Adams in the backfield, and they snap it between Strevler's legs to Adams, who then throws a pass to Strevler, who gains 13 yards. I know you and a lot of other football players talk to me about film study, trying to anticipate what happens. As a defensive lineman, like if you're in that situation and they run that play, like how difficult is it to adapt to that and try to figure out what they're doing? Yeah, that, that's tough. That's a pretty good... Um play execution and just creativeness from their offensive coordinator Paul Lapolis. I mean, you don't I've never seen a play where they snap it through a guy's legs and then he leaks out for a pass. Uh, but Lapolis, he's very creative with the plays he comes up with. And you know when Strebler's in the game, something's going on. He's not in the game just to be a drop back quarterback. There's going to be some 
uh, tricky plays and there's going to be some wrinkles and they're going to try and get you some way, um, be it him with a read option trying to run the ball or the fly sweep where they bring Dembski across and give it to him. Or, I mean, I've even been victim to it a couple of years back in Saskatchewan. They line up like they're going short yardage with Strebler. All of a sudden, he takes two steps forward like he's going for the QB sneak. Then he just drops back, and he chucks it up deep. So they have so many different wrinkles. And you alluded to Strebler being um, his skill set earlier and them running a two-quarterback system. And I agree with you. A two-quarterback system uh, generally is not the way to go. You don't really see too many successful teams with the two-quarterback system. But what Strebler brings to the table, uh, that allows you to do that. Now, with that being said, as much of a horse as Strebler is, I don't think that style of play is very sustainable if you want to carve out a long career. You see the guy, he's a warrior, and he's a horse to bring down, but he's limping around because he, he runs the ball very hard. But you can do that when you're 22, 23, 24. Uh, that style of play is not going to be sustainable when you're 28, 29, 30, trying to make, keep a career and have a long, uh, sustainable career playing quarterback in pro football. Andrew Harris had an exceptional game, outstanding player, outstanding Canadian. He's had an exceptional career. He did serve a two-game suspension for a bad substance this year. He was, you know, fairly uh, defiant about that. Um, you know, as an ex-player and, and as somebody who, who went against Andrew, does this, does this change the way you, you look at him or, you know, do you have some sympathy for what he went through? I, I, I'm just curious. I mean, it is a story people are talking about. Yeah, it's no doubt about it, a story. And the thing about Andrew Harris is I've been playing him since uh, I was in grade seven uh, playing <laughs> peewee ball. You know, so we we go way back. We're, we're boys outside of football. We train together. Uh, I've essentially played against him every year of my football career, my football life, all throughout high school, except for when he was playing junior ball and I was at the University of Manitoba. So we, we go way back, and he's, he's a good boy of mine. Um, it, it's tough. It was a tough deal. Uh, you know, his, I, I feel for him for what he went through, uh, but don't want to get too much involved in, you know, I don't want to have my say out there too much with my opinion. Um, but the reality is the guy is the all-time CFL leading rusher. You know, he's essentially a Winnipeg legend, having brought the great cut back. And I'm, I'm really happy for him to end that drought, uh, to have won both of those awards in the game, which he rightfully deserved. I mean, he really led Winnipeg. And just watching the guy as a player, as a man, just throughout his whole career, it's, it's, it's pretty special. I'm proud to say that, you know, he is a friend of mine and that we have battled against each other on the football field for uh, well over, you know, a decade, upwards to 15 years. So that's, it's, it's cool for me to say that because the guy is a special player. He's won pretty much everywhere he's been at. And, man, I still just get memories thinking back when we were playing peewee and I didn't know who he was. And I'm thinking, who is this lanky kid just taking every handoff up the sideline for 80 yards on us? I had no idea. But here we are fast forward into our 30s and it's Andrew Harris going to be one of the best CFL players to ever play the game. And finally you never played for the Bombers but you are from Winnipeg the 29 year drought ended just give us your perspective of what ending that drought means to the city and the fan base. It's big because Winnipeg they haven't had much championships uh, at all in their history I mean 
yeah, the, they had the glory years of the Bombers back in the day. They had some really good teams. But uh, since the 90s, be it hockey, football, there hasn't been a lot to talk about in terms of hanging championship banners. So uh, it, it feels good to, to watch them finally get that monkey off their back. I know they have some passionate fans, as like every city that you know carries a pro team, uh, especially CFL teams, because this is a, a specifically Canadian game. Uh, so lots of passion there, and uh, yeah, I feel good for them. I part of me, you know, I've had contract negotiations in the past with Winnipeg, and hasn't totally gone the way I'd like it. Hence why I never played with the Bombers. But yeah, there's no denying the local kid. You would love to get a shot to play for your home team, and it's pretty cool to see how many local guys are on that team now. There's about five, six local kids on the team, and uh, to go out and do it, it's pretty special, and to to bring that championship home for your home team. Now, with that being said, uh, I have had a pretty cool opportunity to have won the Great Cup in my hometown in Winnipeg when we won it in 2015. And I, I don't know a lot of guys who have had that opportunity to win the championship in front of their friends, family, and support. So, um, you know, with that in hand, I feel pretty good about how my career has gone, and I feel very blessed the fact that I did get the opportunity to host the Great Cup uh, not host, I should say, hoist the Grey Cup uh, in front of all my friends, people I grew up with, my family members, and they all got to touch that Grey Cup and kiss that Grey Cup and be in that moment and share that moment with me. So it's pretty special. Eddie, you're an exceptional guest on the show. I hope we can have you on again soon, and may all restaurant doors be open to you. <laughs> uh, thanks, Reed. I appreciate that. Great stuff from Eddie Steele. Some perspective on this year's Grey Cup game between the Bombers and the Tiger Cats and some good memories of winning in 2015 with the Eskimos as well. That's quite the music we have for our spot there for the text line number. Like I, I picture our textures running slow motion through a field of wheat as they're texting us. Or maybe sort of on a bench in an orchard. Slow camera pan. Being brought a glass of wine. Slow camera pan. Maybe a little out of focus. Soft focus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Five minutes left in the third. Flames and Penguins are tied 2-2. Oilers back at it on Wednesday against the Avalanche. Full scoreboard when we get Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back and Grey Cup champion. He went to W.P. Wagner High School, not far from our station. Jeff Hecht is coming up. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. A little bit from Oilers GM Ken Holland. 
on head coach Dave Tippett. I can't go very far here without talking about the, the impact that Dave Tippett's had on our team and, and our organization. He's in that locker room on an everyday basis and right from day one of camp uh, wanted our team to play a certain way and uh, uh, all the players have bought in. Uh, I, I think everybody feels like they're contributing. They've got a role. I think there's really good, good, good harmony and good team chemistry in that, uh, in that locker room. Full interview with Ken Holland. He was interviewed by Bob Stoffer today on Oilers Now. Get it on 630Ched.com on the Oilers page or on the podcast for Bob's show. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. 30 seconds left in the third period. The Flames and the Penguins are tied 2-2. The Flyers have beaten the Canucks 2-1. Home and home between the Canucks and the Oilers coming up on the weekend. Minnesota leads the Rangers 2-1 late in the third. Two minutes left in Tampa. The Lightning are up 5-2 on the Sabres. The Blue Jackets shut out the Senators 1-zip. 1-0 win for Columbus over Ottawa. Late second period. Predators lead the Blues 2-1. Early second period, Dallas with a 2-0 edge on the Golden Knights. Later on tonight, the unbelievable New York Islanders will take on Anaheim. The Sharks will visit the Kings. Monday night football, last 15 seconds of the first half. Ravens leading the Rams 21-6. 76ers in front of the Raptors 90-88 with 6.20 to go in the fourth quarter. That one has been a close one throughout. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are Grey Cup champions, which means our next guest has certainly been enjoying his life ever since the game ended. He is an Edmonton native. He played for W.P. Wagner High School. He played for the Wildcats. He's a safety with the Blue Bombers, Jeff Hecht. Jeff, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? A little tired, a little, uh, you know, but it's a good problem to have. It's, it's a good problem to have. Just tell me a little bit about what the last 24 hours have been like. I, I don't know if it's possible to, to sum it up, but a, a lot of people listening would, would love to know what it feels like to be an athlete who just won a, a championship. So uh, what can you share about the last 24 hours? It's tough to explain. I mean, it's it's really is a whirlwind. It's uh, um, you know seeing a bunch of guys win win their first great cup and, and getting to share that moment with them. It, it's fun. It's exhausting. It's it's energizing. It's it's just a complete uh, whirlwind of emotion and and it's it's all good things. So um, it's tough to explain, but um, you know it's 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 one of the better days of your you know of your life that you're always going to remember. The, the game was, I mean, to me, Jeff, don't take this the wrong way because I actually picked you guys to win, but the, the game to me was surprising because I, I felt you guys were in control the entire way. I, I thought physically you, you dominated Hamilton. That's me watching on a television screen. Take us down onto the field. Did you have that feeling of being in control or, or dictating sort of the physicality of the game? What was it like on the field? You know, I don't want to be that guy, but I mean, the game, you know, the game ended up basically how we expected. I mean, um, early in the game there when, when, you know, our defense got three takeaways in their first three drives, and that's when we realized that, um, you know, they couldn't really hang with us. They weren't built for um, playoff football in the CFL. It's it's, uh, it's a tough fan sport, and and uh, we had a lot, of, a lot of guys out there that were just putting, you know, manhandling some dudes, and, and it makes for an easy game. Um, with our game plan and, and what we thought our offense was going to do, and, and our especially on special teams, we knew we were going to be the bully in the game. And um, you know, we talked about how it doesn't have to be close. 
and, and you know, game kind of finished and went, you know, exactly how we game planned it. The playoff run itself, you won two road games to get to the Grey Cup. You won in Calgary, you won in Regina. I don't know if you pay attention to stuff like this, Jeff, but you're the first team since the 2005 Eskimos to come out of third place and win the Grey Cup. Look, I know you just said how confident the team was. Having said that, it was maybe a bit of a lower percentage path to get to the Grey Cup. Just tell me about taking, if you want to call it the long road, or, or taking maybe the underdog route. And whether you saw yourselves as underdogs or not, like I said, it's not common for the third-place team to go all the way. Take me through just, just the playoff run and, and winning in a couple of tough, uh, tough buildings. Right. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the first half of the season or first third of the season, we were, you know, that was the team that we were. We were putting together some pretty dominant wins. And then uh, throughout that, the season as it evolved, we, um, I don't want to use the word sabotage, but we had a lot of self-inflicted um, damage and, and we, we started to give games away and, and we really had to discover who we were as a team and as a defense specifically. And uh, really going into Calgary, you know, last season, our year ended in Calgary in the West Final, and going in there on the road in the in the semi, and and really, you know, beating them up as well. Um, I think it just solidified everything and and kind of brought everyone back to, um, you know, this is the team we are. This is the team we expect to be. This is, you know, the game. This is how we expect to win games. This is how we have planned to win games the entire season, and it just kind of brought every, all the focus back to, you know, doing what we need to do, and and and. That carried us through the playoffs, I think, in a, in a significant way. And, and in, in, in any sport, you know, whenever you're the um, quote-unquote underdog, you, you know, you take a little bit of pride in that, and, and it seems to be energizing, and, and we definitely made the most of it uh, in our three-game run there. Great Cup champion, Edmonton native Jeff Heck, joining us on Inside Sports, fresh off winning the Cup yesterday as a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Zach Kalaros, quite a story for you guys, uh, a late-season acquisition. I know Strevler plays a lot as well, but Zach kind of jumped into that position. I know Matt had some injury difficulties, and, and it was quite a journey for Zach this year, getting injured 90 seconds into the season, getting traded to a team that never used him, and then coming to you guys. I always thought he, he was a great quarterback. I thought he was very good yesterday. Tell me a little bit about him uh, you know, fitting into the team, and, and how does a guy new to a group like him sort of fit in and, and play a position that demands a lot of leadership? and a lot of performance. Uh, I think the number one thing is Zach's resume kind of speaks for itself. Guys that, you know, knew him or knew of him, um, kind of knew what to expect when we traded for him. He, he's, he's a great guy. He fit in quickly. Um, his experience in the playoffs was invaluable for, you know, at the time what was our very young um, quarterback situation. Uh, him understanding uh, Hamilton's, offense from an inside perspective as well as a lot of what Saskatchewan did on, on all three phases of the ball were, were enormous assets for us going into the playoffs, I think. And he's um, a guy just who embraced his role and, and uh, you know, did what he was asked. And he's a true professional, you know, and he got the job done. It was, it was impressive for him. And, and he's a guy that, you know, I – was on the other side of a great cup for him in, in 2014 and it was nice for you know him to get what i think he deserves in in his own championship now and uh, so it's been great having him 
Andrew Harris was the most outstanding player and the most outstanding Canadian. He uh, he was uh, pretty blunt in, in a couple of post-game interviews uh, about uh, his critics or some of the things that were said about him this season. Obviously, he did serve the, the two-game suspension. You know, being a teammate of, of a guy who goes who goes through that, that type of a suspension, the type of criticism and chatter that, that comes with it, just give me your perspective of, of having Andrew as a teammate this year and how he, how he dealt with all that. Uh, the thing about Andrew is he's, he's a, you know, a true professional. There's not too many caliber, high caliber players like that, Hall of Fame caliber players that, um, I mean, the guy never misses a practice. He doesn't miss a rep in practice. He doesn't take a rep off. He doesn't go 50% in anything. He's a true professional. He goes all in. He gives everything he's got. Um, you know, and, and the results are shown on the field. And, um, I mean, in the Great Cup, everybody saw it. I, I, I mean, he's the best running back in the league. He has been for quite some time. And um, he's definitely been the best dual threat running back maybe for the last 10 years. So, um, sorry about that. I'm just with him right now, so it's kind of awkward. Oh, you're with him right now. Okay, so you don't want to praise yeah. him too much. You don't. You don't. You don't, right. don't, don't, don't want to seem like you're gushing yeah. over him. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. He asked me when we're going to work out next. He wants to go to the, hit the gym tomorrow already. Just one day off for you and Andrew, eh? and then back in the gym. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, well, besides going to the gym, uh, what is what is next for you? Uh, are you going to come uh, hang out in Edmonton for a bit? Maybe watch some uh, watch some hockey. Have, have you thought about uh, next year? Like, just tell me what 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 your uh, what your future thoughts are now, if any. Um, we'll see what see how everything shakes down. I mean, I'm a I'm a guy that's you know been looking to transition into coaching, and and it, it's a stuff to get into. So. I'm going to test the waters as far as that. I, you know, I'm not sure where my playing career is going to go. And, and like most players, it's often dictated to you whether or not you continue to play. Um, I think physically I still have it. We'll, we'll see what, what teams want to do. But um, if, if not, then, you know, this has been, you know, a great career. I, I played nine years, played in three great cups, one, two. Um, for an undrafted guy, uh, you know, it's, it's quite the career that I can hang my hat on. So um, we're just – the plan is now just enjoy it for you know week two weeks three weeks four weeks uh enjoy it until i'm done enjoying it and then then we'll look at look at what's next after that okay and can i ask what's the strangest thing that's been in the gray cup or consumed out of the gray cup in the last 24 hours can you share that with me <laughs> i definitely can't share that with you no. no all right you're saving that for the book right or the the interview you, you do with her. me 10 yeah. years from now okay yeah <laughs> Okay, Jeff. Well, it's it's great to have you on the show again. Uh, obviously, we talked early in the season, and uh, and who would have thought we'd be talking the day after Great Cup with with you guys winning it? Really appreciate your time and enjoy this experience, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, that is Jeff Hecht, Edmonton native, Great Cup champion with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Sounds like he's going to have a pretty fun week. The Penguins have beaten the Flames three two in overtime, and a, a story going on here with the Flames. Tonight, and, and you, I'll, I'll preface this by saying you, you may have seen the, the Mitch Marner, Mike Babcock story out of uh, Toronto today where uh, Marner says in his, in his rookie season, Babcock asked Marner to rank his teammates from hardest working to least hardest working. And so Marner made that list and then Babcock shared it with the players. Uh, and Babcock, uh, you know, this was broken by TSN and he, and he says he's apologized for it. Akeem Alou, 
who uh, only played a few games in the NHL but spent most of his time in the minors, on Twitter uh, a couple hours ago, he wrote, not very surprising the things we're hearing about Babcock. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Same sort of deal with his protege in YYC, that being Calgary. Dropped the N-bomb several times towards me in the dressing room in my rookie year because he didn't like my choice of music. That is from Akeem Alou, who obviously uh, is, is black and says Bill Peters used a racial slur against him. This would have been with the Rockford Ice Hogs in the AHL. Uh, Peter's coach there, Alou, play, uh, Alou, played 48 games for the Ice Hogs in 09-10. He only played five games for them the year before, so it would have happened in one of these two, two seasons. Uh, I guess now we just wait and see, but Alou deciding to uh, drop this bombshell out there on Twitter tonight. So that's what's going on with that situation. You can text 780-496-0063. The phone number is 780-496-0063. The Edmonton Oil Kings in the middle of a long road trip. How are they coping? How are they spending their downtime? How are they spending the time on the bus? Head coach Brad Lauer when we get back. Your home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. The Edmonton Oil Kings are 14-5-6 on the season. They're in the middle of a long road trip to BC. It'll end with games in Kelowna tomorrow and Kamloops on Wednesday. The Oil Kings are coached by Brad Lauer. Brad, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hey, Reed. I'm doing fine. Good to have you on the show. Good to talk to you from the road. One of these trips where you spend a few hours uh, on on the bus. Obviously, uh, this time you're going through BC. Uh, how, how are the How are the guys holding up through the road trip here with uh, with two games to go? Yeah, you know it's been uh, it's been it's been a good good road trip. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know game wise, team wise. You know, when I look at it, I mean our game has been pretty good. Um, some of the outcome isn't what exactly what we wanted. Um, you know, right now, and, you know, it's been happening a little bit too much. Is, uh, for some reason, we're just not able to, to finish a complete game. Um, what, I mean, what I mean by that is that there, we have pockets in the game where we have some some breakdowns, some let-ups that um, lead into goals against and, and have created some 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 game uh, close games where we've uh, you know gone to overtime or lost in regulation. You know, it's just one of those things we've got to work our way through. It, it's been kind of a, a different schedule here. You played on a Tuesday. You had a couple of days off, Friday and Saturday back-to-back, yesterday and today off, and then you finish off yeah. with the game tomorrow. And on Wednesday, have, have you wanted the guys to practice every day? Have, have you organized any team activities, or have you just kind of maybe given them a, a day or two to, to leave them alone? I wonder how you manage the not just the camaraderie but the fatigue and the rest side of it. Yeah, you know, that's, you know when we did our trip last year with the U.S. trip, we kind of – we did five games in seven nights. We kind of went out there and came right back right away. And uh, you know, as you know, those, that trip wasn't very good to us. And uh, you know, from that trip, we kind of, you know, was talking to Kurt, our general manager, just kind of said it'd be nice to have a just a couple extra days. If you get off the rails a little bit, you can have some practice time. And uh, this trip, we've been able to, you know, have some time off. Plus, it's some long bus trips so going up to Prince George and then Prince George all the way to Victoria. It was a full day, so. Um, we kind of needed the days in between to get some rest and to also get on, get some practice time too. So it's it's worked both ways. We've done a little bit of everything um, with practices and some team building stuff, and again, just get the guys uh, together again on the road. How, how much uh, as a coach do you? 
want to organize the team building stuff and how much maybe you'd prefer to, you know, the captains or some of the leaders to uh, to take care of some of those activities? I mean, do you go both ways or do you like to be involved? Yeah, both ways. I think you have, um, with the coaching staff and manager, we kind of have an idea where what we want to do with some of the guys on the road. And then, um, you know, we'll include the leadership group and maybe throw some ideas at them, and then they'll come up with some ideas. And, um, you know, they'll, then we'll go with, some with some of their stuff and so it's just kind of it's a it's a it's a give take thing with, with with the leadership group and 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 the staff and uh we both uh, both groups have good ideas what to do with the guy with with the team and um it's worked out really well for us obviously uh you know a lot of good individual stories on your team as well dylan gunther young player he's he's just 16 a lot of people talk about the bright yeah. future he's going to have in the sport 15 points in 19 games is your is your fourth leading score. There's always a lot yeah. of lessons being learned for uh, for a young player his age. How would you assess how he's yeah. doing? Yeah, you know, Dylan's come he's coming along. He's doing uh, a lot of good things that we've we're trying to you know, bring him along um not slowly, but just not give him too much too quick and and understanding the you know, the Western Hockey League and how junior hockey works and you know, he's a quick learner. Um you know, at the start of the year we had him we always had him on the on the power play or second unit of power play, and then he was kind of running, working on the on the fourth line. And since then, we've moved him up uh, up the lineup, you know, our second third line, and and moved him up the power play with the on the first unit. And you know, he's a he's one of those kids that, the, like you said, has a ton of potential, lots of skill. He's a quick learner, and I think as he plays, he's just getting more and more confidence in the league, which is which is great to see. Your leading scorer is Riley Sawchuk, 31 points in 25 games. First-year Oil King, but obviously a, a WHL yeah. veteran. He was with Tri-City for three full seasons before joining you guys. I mean, the 20-year-olds, they're they're expected to do a lot and often get points, play in a lot of situations and lead. Seems like Riley's risen to the occasion here. Yeah, you know, Riley's been really good for us. You know, at the start of the year, I think he was just kind of the feel-out process of you know how how our systems and all that stuff and you know one thing with our like i said we do put a lot of pressure on our 20 year olds um sometimes 20 year olds when they come from different teams they just kind of want to finish out their last year and, and enjoy the year but um to be honest, the rally's really taking this game to, to another level he's he's very reliable defensively he's he's a he drives practice you know he drives practice with his work ethic and and uh you know it's it, it leads into his game and uh, he scored some pretty big goals for us so far on the road here, and then not only on the road, but throughout the year now. He's been one of those guys that's been driving the offense for us. All right, as as you finish up the trip here, Kelowna on uh, Tuesday and then Camp Loops on uh, yeah. Wednesday, give me a quick thought on those two clubs. Yeah, you know, I think uh, obviously going in tomorrow night against Kelowna, they're they're a team that's the host of the Memorial Cup. They're, they've made some deals that change your team a little bit here. Uh, you know, they're a you know, a lot of the teams in the BC division are are more uh, heavier, bigger, heavier. Maybe not as much skills we have in our in our division, um, but uh, again, they are, they play a heavier style of game, which which um, you know for us, I think it's we're fine with that. It's just we just got to make sure we maintain and, and manage the puck against uh, teams like that, and you know force them to play that that 200 foot game. And uh, you know, there'll be both both games will be heavy, uh, heavier style. But um, like I said, I'm, we're comfortable with that type of game. I think uh, we're capable of playing that. But we also have that skill and the speed to go with us. All right, Brad. Well, 
All the best uh, as you finish up this road trip. It'll be good to have you guys back at Rogers Place. Thanks for checking in tonight. Thanks, Reed. All right, that's Brad Lauer, head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings at Kelowna tomorrow at Kamloops on Wednesday. Good team. They're having a pretty good season. NHL tonight, again, we'll, uh, we'll see how this story develops. Uh, Akeem Alou, who uh, played for now Flames head coach Bill Peters with, uh, with Rockford in the AHL from 08 to 010, has alleged on Twitter that Bill Peters used a racial slur in referring to Alou while, he, uh, while they had the coach-player relationship. So uh, we'll see how this develops over the next couple days. The Flames were beaten in overtime tonight, 3-2 by the Penguins. Flyers edge the Canucks 2-1. Rangers get by the Wild, 3-2 in overtime. The Lightning down the Sabres. 5-2. Blue Jackets get a 1-0 shutout over Ottawa. After 2, it is Nashville 2, St. Louis 1. Late second period, Dallas leading the Golden Knights 2-1. Islanders and Ducks coming up in a few minutes at 8.30. It's the Sharks and the Kings. The Raptors pull it out against the 76ers, 101-96. And Monday Night Football, it is Baltimore in control. Four minutes into the third quarter, Ravens lead the Rams, 28-6. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. You heard from Brad Lauer, Eddie Steele, Jeff Heck. Thanks to everybody who called and texted as well. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. Another edition of Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Next Oilers broadcast will start at 6 on Wednesday. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.